You're listening to Here One Minute, Gone the Next, a Newsweek podcast. They say that if you can't find a body, you don't have a crime. Unfortunately, this puts thousands of families across the country in a state of limbo because many times law enforcement is unable to dedicate the same resources to missing persons cases as they are when it's a clear-cut murder. In the opening season of Here One Minute, Gone the Next, we'd like to turn your attention to the disappearance of Fauna Fry. A 45-year-old woman with blonde hair, blue eyes, 5 foot 6 inches tall, somewhere between 135 and 150 pounds. She was last seen in the small town of Grants Pass, Oregon on June 29, 2020. She disappeared from the parking lot of a small grocery store. Her Jeep was found several months later, abandoned and hidden deep in the forest, and with many of her possessions still inside the Jeep. When... Her Jeep was first reported. We found out about it instead of from the sheriff. We found out about it from the uh, a scanner page. He thought that she was eaten by bears. Fauna Fry's dad, John Fry, has agreed to sit down with us here at Newsweek and to share information that has previously been unknown to the public. That Fauna Fry was traveling with thousands of dollars worth of silver coins, or the mysterious saddlebag that was found with her name on it near a park that she visited frequently. And why was there a box of hair dye found in her Jeep? Could Fauna Fry still be alive? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. John, why are you coming out with this information now? Because it's been three years uh, that Fauna's been gone. I don't see any point in holding back information anymore. If there's the slightest chance that a little extra information could perhaps jog somebody's memory or get somebody to come forward with some additional information. Can you try to describe how the last three years have been? difficult for you yeah it's absolutely insane you know i i fauna had already lost her mother and she had already lost her sister and now you know she loses her brother fauna left 10 days after uh, her brother dallas passed away and you know i was in the state of shock then and um I know Fauna was. And your original question was, how has this been for me the, the last three years? It's been, I don't know. I, I don't, I think it's a, a cyclical thing of going through the, you know, the stages of. Uh, stages of grief? Yeah, stages of grief, right. That's what, it just keeps on giving because I don't know, I guess if I'm grieving for Fauna or not too. Three years I've been to Idaho, Washington, California, you know, I don't know how many times I've been to the coast. Uh, We used to go to, you know, Brookings and stuff a lot. You know, we used 
to camp there and stuff. Uh, I've checked that out several times. Somebody had a sighting there once, and I got the Coast Guard to even send up a helicopter and stuff going up and down Highway, you know, one. It's been nonstop leads ever ever since. Yeah, all these crazy leads, and a lot of them have been just totally worthless. There's been very little real stuff as far as where she is, you know. Let's talk about some of the, the items that people are going to be very interested in, specifically the silver coins. What's the story behind the silver coins? Why did she have them? Where did they come from? What was she doing with them? Okay. Uh, the silver coins were her brothers. When he passed, he was uh, living in a guest house in my property, right? He died in the middle of the night. I guess uh, the medical examiner said it was uh, matrial prolapse. Um, it's got something to do with the heart, I guess. Dallas had been collecting silver from the houses that we had built. And, you know, sometimes he'd take some of his profit and put it in the silver and he had, you know, so he collected, you know, uh, several thousands of dollars instead of like putting in the bank, he trusted silver more. So after he passed, I was, uh, cleaning up Dallas's apartment. You know, we live way out in the country, so I wasn't worried about it or anything. Um, so I just put it on top of the counter when I was cleaning underneath the counter and kind of, you know, cleaning, uh, cleaning other stuff. And um, uh, one day in the afternoon, she came up to me and she said, I, I took some of the silver. And I said, well, I, that's fine. I don't care. Um, and I said, well, what are you going to do with it? And she told me she was going to give it away to Dallas's uh, friends. And she had mentioned uh, three people, Sean, this guy that uh, used to know my ex-wife, and this other lady whose mother had cancer that Dallas was involved with. So the only person that we know that she got any of the silver to was Sean. The other two people, she did not get them any silver. And, you know, before she left, I said, well, gee, you want to carry all the silver around? You know, why don't you just take it to a, this, this guy I know that got a jewelry silver store, gold, you know, he deals in coins and stuff. And it's where Dellis got the, the coins and just traded in for a check and bring these people a check. And, and but no, she she was very insistent that this is the way she wanted to do it. it to kind of make a, you know, she was making a statement too um, by doing that. What kind of a statement? Well, the statement was just more of a dramatic statement. It seemed more... Um, symbolmatic or more um, personal i think than just giving money because it was like direct from him without an interchange you know it was something of his you know and how much how much silver are we talking about i think it was a uh originally about twenty five thousand, and um about seven of that she left with Sean, who was like one of Dallas's closest friends. How much does uh, $25,000 in silver weigh? 
Oh, I I really don't know offhand. Um, it's a lot of coins. Yeah, these were in two boxes. A couple shoe boxes. And about, uh, yeah, except they weren't shoe boxes. They were only uh, one high of these containers that these come in, these little plastic containers. Mm-hmm. Each take 20 coins, you know, or is it 30? 20 or 30, I forget. She gave half of a box to Sean. And he saw that there was still a full box that was unopened. So she still had about $18,000 in silver coins. Roughly, yeah. yeah. It's got to be pretty heavy, too. Oh, I, I bet it weighs 40 pounds. It sure as hell not something you're going to take a hike with. What did the coins look like? What was the description on them? Were they all, all the same? Yes, they were all the same. There's no dates on them. It's what's called in the, the trade bullion. So they're worth... What the price of silver is per ounce, plus a premium for kind of being handy. And then another little premium if they're not scratched or, you know, if they're in mint condition. And these were all in these tubes, these little plastic tubes, so they were all in perfect condition, you know. Um, Is there any truth to the rumor I've been hearing that she had been handing those out to other people, including the people... Like the clerk who helped her at the big five store. Yeah, we were. uh, Did you ever get a chance to look at that video? I didn't notice her giving a coin to anybody. I I skimmed through it. I didn't really notice. If you I think you have to slow it down. Several people have seen it when they slowed down the frame from the beginning. People said, well, she put something there. And then when people slowed down the frame and then looked at it with a magnifying glass, they could see that it was a silver coin. So to answer your original question, the uh, the one she gave away at Big Five is the only one we know about. Aside from the ones she gave for, to Sean? It, yes. Okay. Correct. Anything else about the coins that stands out? Not really, except for their, their weight and what happened to them and uh, the fact that we haven't been able to, you know, nobody's come up with the coins, although... It's it's a common silver coin. There's a lot of people that deal in coins. You know, it'd be different if they were marked coins or they were, you know, some special coin or something like that. But these just being bullion, you know. Now, the coins that John is talking about are specifically known as one-ounce silver buffalo rounds. The front with an image of a Native American, the back has a buffalo on it. Now, these are not from the U.S. Mint. They're generic silver one-ounce coins, and they're undated. So there's no date on the front. There's no mark on the front or back saying who made these coins. And if you've seen anybody fitting Fauna's description, turning in thousands of dollars worth of these silver bullion, please call the anonymous tip line for Fauna Fry at 541-359-5638. When we return to Hear One Minute, Gone the Next, we hear the rest of the story from John Fry about his desperate search for his missing daughter. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
We're speaking with John Fry. His daughter went missing from Grants Pass, Oregon on June 29th of 2020, and she hasn't been heard from since. Several months after she went missing, Fauna's Jeep Cherokee Laredo was found deep in the forests of Southern Oregon. Invisible from the main passing road, her Jeep was found locked with many of her belongings still inside. It's been difficult for me because their original thing is that there's not been a crime committed. When her Jeep was first reported, we found out about it instead of from the sheriff, we found out about it from the uh, a scanner page. And then I called up the sheriff. He got real upset with me and insisted that I not come down because I was going to immediately come down. I was a little disappointed in the way that instead of, you know, getting tire tracks, cordoning the area off or anything like that, the same day, that night, they had it towed away, towed to the impound yard. And uh, they looked at the site, and the first thing that Dave Dano told me is that he, he didn't want me to come down because he thought that she was eaten by bears because there was some bear crap by the Jeep site. And, you know, I knew right away uh, that that just, you know, doesn't happen. I mean, uh, I've run into black bears on the trail myself. And, you know, unless you really surprise one and she's got cubs, they want to stay away from you more than you want to stay away from them. You see bear crap all over the place around there. And in the wintertime, you know, that's a real bear area. You, you see prints in the snow all over the place. You know, we've been up there dozens of times searching and, you know, all kinds of bear prints and stuff like that. But, I mean, I thought that that was a pretty weird thing to say just because, you know, there's a spot and it's got bear poop around it that, you know. The Jeep was locked. Except I'm pretty sure that the back didn't lock. Okay. That's new information. What about her purse and things like that? Were those left in the Jeep? No. Purse, driver's license. She had a little wallet that she you know, she wasn't big on purses usually, you know. She had a couple, but, you know, she mostly kept her stuff in a wallet about about the size of a small transistor radio or something, you know, just enough to keep IDs and some cash in and stuff. She's uh, also going to have something carrying all those coins too, presumably. Well, right. So you're not going to just get out of the, the Jeep. And, you know, she had a... Um, north face backpack and it was just a day pack i don't even think it would fit all the silver or you might be able to get it in this you might be able to get the silver in there but nothing else and you're not going to strap 40 pounds of uh silver to uh take a hike yeah it's not even the greatest place to take a hike it's it's very steep out there yeah and and you know it's hot and it's it's yeah and and uh Unless you're on a trail out there, you know, obviously the place to hike out there is the Rogue River Trail, which we'd taken hundreds of times, you know. Um, so there's, 
that is interesting. I never even thought about it until this point that the the silver is missing from the point of her. Let's assume that she drove out there to the spot, yeah, and parked, and and walked off and got eaten by bears, according to the the sheriff. Right. Where's did the, the silver? Did the bears ate it? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. She she wouldn't have taken it with her. So right. somewhere between that jeep being parked out in the middle of nowhere and being in town, the, the coins are missing. Right. Well, one theory that we had is that she ditched the jeep there with somebody else right and then left with most of her stuff and the coins some stuff she chose not to take you know there was a pair of shoes there that i don't think fit her properly that she just bought uh you know uh what was in the jeep altogether that, that we know about well we don't know about it all because the sheriff is keeping it in uh evidence locker they won't share their information with you yeah they won't uh, Have you, you asked them for it uh yeah and they just say no well he's shown me some things of it he showed me the i specifically went to him to the evidence locker and met him there one day to to check out the hair dye because i wanted to make sure i wanted to see if the hair dye was used or not you know and it was not used. It was still a sealed uh, container. Can we go down a list of what, what was found in there, though, first? Like, what, what was in the Jeep when it was recovered? There's, there's a box of unused hair dye. Was there any of There the- was an old uh, Lion King video that I think she got out of her old stuff that had some sentimental value for her from, you know, uh, when she was younger. A few articles of clothing. There were a pair of shoes that she purchased at Big Five. But everything else was gone? Uh, yeah, there might have been one clothing article. No purse. No coins. And no wallet. From what we know, there was a map there. There was the wrong map, but it sounded right. It was a Rogue River map or uh, Rogue it was a hunting map, a rogue, but it was actually for the other side of the freeway, more towards Shady Cove and stuff. And that was left. I think she, and she bought that when she bought the hair dye. She bought a lantern there too that I think was left. Do you think she's still alive out there? I don't know. I I go back and forth, you know. I, I really do. I We were so close that it's hard to believe that she wouldn't have gotten in touch with me. But the thing that doesn't make sense in a way is that she called me the night after she left. Because she was, she was feeling a little creeped out about the hotel she was staying at. She didn't like the hotel. That's what, because part of our conversation is that, you know, um, she felt uncomfortable in the home. Part of our conversation is I, I said, well, Fauna, I know you're, you know, upset. Why don't you? see if you can find like a cabin somewhere to rent or something like that that yeah. you'd be more comfortable in. And so that's why I thought it was weird because as I was speaking with her in my head, I actually thought of the We Ask You In, but I didn't mention that because I thought and at that point with our relationship, it's like, you know, being a parent, you probably understand this, but anything that I said, she would do the opposite. But it turns out that, you know, she did make reservations at the We Ask You In and never showed up. Now, that could be because she was doing that as a red herring. Because that's something that Jane Hawk might have done. 
If you're not familiar with the Jane Hawk series that John Fry is talking about here, it's a series of books that was written by Dean Kuntz, the main character being Jane Hawk. An FBI agent on leave attempts to bring down a conspiracy that causes happy, sound-of-mind people to commit suicide. When we return to Here One Minute, Gone the Next, the rest of the story from John Fry on the mysterious disappearance of Fauna Fry. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. How deep was she into this book? I don't know how many were in the series. There might have been five in the series, but we read at least three of them. You both did? Uh, and her brother, Dallas, also. We passed it around between the three of us. You know, a lot of times we'd share books and stuff like that. None of us were big on um, the social networks, you know, internet life. Uh, I mean, Fauna, as you know, didn't even have a Facebook page. But was it anything that she ever brought up on her own? Like, I'm going to go out to the woods and, and camp for a month by myself. No. There hasn't been any activity on her bank account since she disappeared. Correct. Is there any money left in the bank account? Yes. It hasn't been touched. Is it a, a substantial amount? Uh, I think it's about $3,500. They take out like $10 a month, so she's been gone for, what, 36 months. So, you know, not much has been... You know, I think originally there might have been 38. Now there's about, you know, 35, 36 in there or something, you know. But I look at it every month because the um, statement comes to my house, you know. So I look to see if it's, you know, been used. But I think the last time she used it was for uh, the reservation at We Ask You In, you know, and they charged her, what, $365 for that or something, you know. It wasn't a cheap rental. One night? Yeah. yeah. It's expensive. Yeah. Let's talk about the saddlebag. Right. Right. Well, we know that she was on um, Fish Hatchery Road because when she called me the night after she left, she talked to me about the hitchhiker, you know, and giving her a ride. Right in that area is where the saddlebag with her name stamped on it was was found and that's also a place um before we even knew the saddlebag was found there we uh had a, a sighting from reputable people that said that they saw fauna at that address driving out of there and at the time from the description they were only like five or six feet away from Fono, who was in a passenger seat, also with a guy with dark hair with facial hair, was driving. She called us up, I believe. Who, who called you up? We, we got a call from and she said that she, her and her husband were out walking their dog. They lived there. They live, um, 
and they swear that they saw Fauna drive by in a car, and they reported it right away. She gave me the address it came from. You know, she saw her from like five feet away. These people said that there were some dopers, and they were having a lot of problems with this address, where this car came out of, you know, this white BMW. I started checking the place out. So months go by, and the property where she came from had changed hands twice. So it was sold to these new people. The new people called us and said that the saddlebag was left there with Fauna's name on it. And they knew from flyers about Fauna. So they said, this is weird. And it was on a post of a carport down on the ground with the strap wrapped around the post, the weirdest thing you ever saw. And I was at this place earlier, and the place was a mess with garbage all over the place. And they even had one of those uh, uh, dumpster, um, like that goes on the back of a truck, like a container ship type of dumpster. They had that there. And uh, now the place is all cleaned up. And I go back, and they, they left the bag there. And they said, the new ladies that lived there said they didn't touch the bag when they saw that it had this name on it. But it was just, it was so incongruous because what was this bag doing there by itself? There was no other thing around it. There was no extraneous junk. It's not like there was even a basketball floating around or anything, you know, no junk, just this all by itself, this bag around this post. After the property had been cleaned up. After the property had been cleaned up with the new owners there. So then we told the cops, so that's another, you want to get back into the cops. It's like, they haven't discovered anything, to my knowledge. Every clue, everything that's come up with this, we've provided. Whether it's to OSP, uh, Oregon State Police, or if it's Josephine County. There's not one thing, one clue that they've come up with. What can you tell us about the nature of the dopers that were living at this property? They were supposedly part of a motorcycle group. So this property was a rowdy biker gang pad before uh, the people had found this uh, Yeah, according to the neighbors, yes. These kind of bigger gangster biker gang type of guys have a lot of lackeys that hang out with them and do their dirty work and run their drugs. Right, right. There's a periphery, yeah. uh, you know, there's this whole peripheral group. There's people coming and going probably just to buy small amount of drugs. There's probably, you know, some kind of distributors showing up, all kinds of stuff. And the hitchhiker, well, we'll just call her the hitchhiker without using her name. Yeah. Was a frequenter of that area as well. Of the area, yeah. But we don't know if she really had that much of a contact with at all. Right. But she must have known about that place. She must have had some little contact. From what I understand, the people that the hitchhiker hangs out with also hung out at that place trying to score drugs because it was the place right. to go. Right, right. More like that than um, the hitchhiker directly yeah. being with that. I think that they probably saw her as a loser, if you will. You know, she couldn't do anything for him type of thing you know she was definitely in a super low echelon you know because if she ever came up with anything it'd probably only be a few bucks and this and that you know yeah i guess we could touch on the 
the state of being of the hitchhiker, she's not um, she's not exactly a credible witness on anything. No, not really. Because um, we've all tried speaking to her. You've tried. I've tried. Uh, oh, I've tried. I. So she was the first, last one to see Fauna. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That that we know about for sure. Because you know, again, Fauna told me about her when she called me, and that's the last time I heard from Fauna. So I don't know who she was with or what happened after that, except from hearsay. Let's go back to the saddlebag. Was there anything in it? Uh, there were a couple of cigarette butts in the bottom of it and maybe some loose tobacco. Did she, sm- did Fauna smoke? Yeah. Were they her brand? She switched brands. What did know. she smoke? She smoked, uh, I think, uh, American spirits and um, she hardly ever smoked in front of me, hmm. you know. Is there anything else about the saddlebag that's and unusual? She knew that I knew that she smoked, but still she was, you right. know, whatever. The big thing that comes to my mind is that it seems to be a message. I mean, the way it was in the four corners, it was faced out on on an angle on the bottom attached to this post. You're talking like a metallic post that you drive into the ground to put up a chain link fence type of post? Uh, This type was to hold up a carport. So it was a little different and it sat on top of the ground rather than went in. Okay. But you couldn't just, like, lift it up. You had to strap this thing, or you know, you had to take the strap from the saddlebag and put it around. So this, this bag was strapped to this pole and almost displayed. Yeah. As if somebody wanted to look at it. Yeah, with the name, like, right, you know. Fauna, right F-A-U-N-A. There. Yeah. And you guys even checked, and there's only there's no other faunas in the state of Oregon? Correct. Now, you'd never seen the saddlebag before, but that doesn't mean it wasn't hers. Well, I'm not sure. I think I have seen it. Yeah. And, and you know, she, uh, uh, the girls had horses when they were younger. And they bought saddles and they bought saddlebags and they bought, you know. And the saddlebag was, this, this bag was cut down the middle. So it was only half of a saddlebag, right? There was only. Correct. It was only one side of the saddlebag. Correct. It was, it was obviously repurposed as a, as a purse. Would it be big enough to carry a it could bunch be of a, coins? Yes. It was big enough where actually you could have probably fit all the coins in there. Wow. Because the box of coins is about like, yay, 12, 13 inches by 12 or 13 inches. And I, th- I think the bag would have taken all the coins. John Fry is a man desperate to find his daughter. He's offering up to $100,000 reward for her safe return. There is a lot to unpack in the audio we've just heard about Fauna Fry. And over the coming weeks and months, that's what we're going to do on Here One Minute, Gone the Next. We're going to go back and analyze some of what we've just heard. We're going to be speaking with law enforcement and other people who are part of the team trying to help find Fauna Fry. On the next episode... We speak with investigative journalist Alex Rogue, who's been focusing on what seems like a possible pattern of women who go missing in the Pacific Northwest. There are so many good people in these communities, but then there's just the people that target vulnerable people. And I really feel like that's what happened to Fauna. So as a missing person, When you're looking for them, you're not really looking for them, but you're looking at the clues 
to tell you the story of why they're missing. And I feel that's what we need to do with Fauna. I think we need to look at all the clues that she left behind. There's quite a bit of them. Not enough of them. But a lot more than the majority of these women even leave behind. You're listening to Hear One Minute, Gone the Next. A Newsweek podcast.